Well, Ross Musgrove, director of Bravan, welcome to Business Unlimited. Great to have you with us. Want to find out a little bit about Bravan, an amazing name to start off with. There's clearly a lot in that name. So tell us, first of all, what Bravan does. Then we'll find out a little bit about you and we'll go back in time to work out how you got involved with this business and who else is involved in it. But first of all, just tell us what Bravand is. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. And thank you for getting the name right, because many people don't. We get Bravand and Bravand, but Bravand is the name and there's a story behind that. But initially, in terms of what we do, we are a digital agency. So there's a group of us that spend our days and our weeks designing and building things that people interact with on screens. So that could be a website. We do a lot of website work, but also things that we are probably less well known for now is user interfaces that employees might use in order to access internal systems, you know, intranets. Great. So just give me a, a quick profile of the sorts of customers you're working with then. So right now uh, we work with a, an interesting brand called Together All. So they have a, a mental health tech platform, online peer-to-peer anonymized support for each other. We work with them on the marketing brochure website. And we do do quite a lot of work with UCL, University College London, actually. One of the key projects that we've been continually involved with for must be about six years now, I think, is something called Core Econ. It's a different way of teaching economics to people who don't necessarily have a grounding in it. So, you know, undergraduates, but also people who are doing MBAs that have come from having no economics experience that need something in order to do their MBA. And that's spread in 300 350 institutions around the world. Uh, so it's a very popular course text. So a lot of digital innovation is what I'm hearing here and a lot of creativity involved in that. Am I right in thinking you're based in London, you're registered in London, but actually as a team, and we'll get a sense of scale in a second, you're spread all over the country and I think you're based here in South Yorkshire? Yes, so until until fairly recently, Chilly, the founder and I, uh, husband and wife team, were based in Hackney in London. And there are two people that actually are employed, other people that are actually employed by Brave and are in and around London. But other people are just wherever they happen to be. So it's about finding people with the credentials, with the right skill set that we can work with, that are available, and pulling together a team wherever they may be, primarily with freelancers and primarily decentralized. So way before COVID came along, you know, we had an office. Some people may come and go from that office, but the vast majority of people are where, just wherever they happen to be. So a lot of agile working, I think, is the phrase that's used in the digital space. You hear phrases like coming together as a scrum. I mean, in terms of how you work, that's innovative yeah. in its own right. How would you describe it? At one point, it probably was quite innovative. You know, going back 10 years, just over 10 years now, when we first started, we weren't aware of any other organizations that were working the way we were working. So primarily relying on freelance talent, bringing a team together to meet a client brief. And then the idea was they'd go away and get on with work for other people and as the business grew obviously there's that core team of people that are kind of involved more and more on a day-to-day basis but there's definitely something in the way a project progresses the direction around the world people are based <laughs> so one of the key things that was has been beneficial for us but we as a project team with our clients who are primarily around in and around the UK we can do what we need to do during our working day and at, but towards the end of our working day we can hand things off to people who are based in the States, they can do some work overnight and have something back to us, you know, relatively quickly. So there's kind of the the project timeline is potentially shortened. Now you then get into problems if you go back the other way. So in fact, we've had instances where we've had people who are kind of then back east and then, you know, having the people in the right direction 
around the globe. There's definitely definitely some benefit in that, and it can be quite painful sometimes, <laughs> quite frustrating if it doesn't all line up the way you want it to. But if you get that right, I mean, that can shorten a project lifespan quite significantly, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, it really it really can. And, and that helps to keep the momentum going. So, you know, it shortens a timeline, which has a benefit, an obvious benefit. You know, there's a financial benefit in there as well, potentially. But it really helps to keep the momentum of projects going because you're kind of almost bouncing backwards and forwards. But over the course of a 24 hour period, it helps to keep everyone engaged and really excited about you know working towards that end goal. Where were you both at in the lead up to setting up Bravan? Was this your background, both of you? What what was the journey into setting up Bravan? So Julie and I both met 2005, 2006, something like that, working for a brand and design agency. And so I came from personal training and sports and exercise science and kind of fell into doing what I'm doing now. Whereas Jilly arrived in London 1999, started out business development for other agencies, an outsourced business development function, and then went through, it must have been between 10 and 15 years, working for other people in roles that we would call suit roles, you know, business development, client services, project management. And over that time, she just picked up a lot of knowledge she learned from people and one of her real specialisms was she's able to take information from one party so a client brief for example and then turn that into something that everyone on the other side understands and then people within the actual project team you know a creative person and a, and a developer might be trying to describe the same thing but use completely different language in order, in order to do that and, and she, she's very good at sitting in the middle and making sure that everyone actually knows what they're meant to be doing and when they need to do it by anyway latterly She'd been the MD of someone else's agency. I was working for um, a HR tech, and both of us were made redundant in 2012, Indep- independently, just uh, bought a house, and uh, yeah, both of us were made redundant. So I, I fell into freelancing. So as I said a moment ago, you know, I just kind of stumbled into freelancing, something that I never thought I'd actually ever do. Jilly was kind of four pints in a pub with the creative director of the agency that had just been closed, and they said, look, we've been doing this for a while. We seem to be good at it. Should we give it a go ourselves? And if it doesn't work out, we can both go and find jobs. And so, yeah, four pints in a pub, called to the accountant. Braveand was registered. The name Braveand was meant to be a play on. We're nothing without our clients. Um, so we're brave and you're something. So brave and beautiful, brave and blah, 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 that kind of thing. That's where, that's where the name came from. But very quickly after founding Braveand, the first piece of work came in. So Jilly the Suit, Richard the Crayon, but no one on the books coding, but they just had a bunch of colleagues and friends that had been made redundant, similar to themselves. And they knew lots of people who got, who'd got that skill set anyway. So they said, I'll tell you what, let's not worry about this now. Let's go and talk to someone we know, offer them a couple of weeks work for a fair, for a couple of weeks pay. We'll see what happens. And whilst they were working on that piece of work, the next piece of work came in. And so the model just kind of perpetuated. They need, finding talent and finding people who could help them do it and making them employees was never something they needed to do so it was kind of an organic thing they didn't set out to achieve it but two years in they became my most interesting customer because they were themselves working with varied organizations and that's what I like I like to go in and understand stuff they kind of woke up one morning and said well we're two years in the business is still here people seem to like us we seem to be growing we are we are growing but we don't employ any people what's that about and so this freelance model that at the time I don't think we could see very many of the people doing, as I mentioned, suddenly became a thing. And the client was happy with it because they were just dealing with us. Now, it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. 
uh, particularly at that time. And I think a lot's changed since then for various reasons. Got you. And I suppose listening to that and hearing the fact that you grew quickly through the pandemic for the reasons that you've mentioned, you were positioned anyway with that model. And then you have taken on a couple of people to stabilize things by the sounds of it. As other people have caught on to that way of working, you thought you were really innovative back at the time. You couldn't see any others doing the sorts of things that you were and working in the way that you were. Probably people have caught up. So staying ahead of the game now, what makes you unique now? What is your unique selling proposition in the marketplace now, do you think? It's to do with people. It really is to do yeah. with people. I mean, there's, there's this whole thing around what we do and how we win our business, you know, can you prove to me that you have done this before for someone else? Show me another organization that's just like mine, that you've done exactly what I want you to do for me and let me speak to them and know, know it went well. That's not always possible. We might be able to solve that problem for that person. And so in those instances, you might not actually win that piece of business. But if you do win that piece of business, all those things that were really important that got you through the gate in the first place almost become hygiene factors because it's all about, yes, you understand my organization. Yes, you understand our product or service you've got to know my users but you've got to know me and you understand the problems that i'm facing and the politics that i'm facing internally i feel like you've got my back right um yeah yeah that, and that's just how we want to continue continue to work really to make people think that we're uh, a safe pair of hands yeah that's really important and it sounds like that's about being intentional of in creating a culture despite the fact you've got a team of freelancers and people might think, well, how do you create culture with freelancers? Because they yeah. might be a law <laughs> unto their own, a bit like working with volunteers. But actually, despite the model in which they work, it sounds like values and expected behaviours is really important to you. And others would say, well, that that isn't necessarily what makes you unique, but it sounds like a combination of the practical steps to building whatever somebody wants and that culture is what you would consider to be unique. You talked about some challenges and lessons learned through the pandemic and since then, and certainly in terms of business, running a business, what key lessons have you and Jilly learned, do you think, that are worth passing on to others listening? So I think one of, one of the main things is treating everyone fairly, communication. Things aren't always going to be, aren't always going to work out and there isn't always anything that someone can do about that. But in those circumstances, you are still dealing with people. And they all still have concerns about keeping a roof over their head and feeling themselves. And, you know, the fact that there's a global pandemic going off and they might be caring for a little one at the same time as well. I mean, we had two young kids under five in the house because nursery was closed and we were running a business that was suddenly scaling very, very rapidly. So Jillian and I just had to really prioritize stuff and we became like ships in the night. We just had to create an environment which we could not just function, but actually help this, well, support this business as it was rapidly scaling. So you would think there were things like, moving the two boys into the same bedroom probably earlier than we expected to and creating the turning the nursery into an office so there was somewhere you could go and close the door. But it really does come down to prioritising and, you know, making sure you understand what's important and just devoting as much time as possible to those key things and not getting distracted. And what do you think you've learned about yourself in that journey? And, and what has Jilly sort of communicated to you that she's learned about herself as you've built this business together? It comes down to resilience. I mean, we, we always joke with people to say, you know, there's a, there's a period of time that we can't really remember. We've either, we either blocked it out or it's, it, there's a kind of a gin fog that's kind of blocking it out as you find different ways to deal with the stresses of things that are going off. But I think when it comes down to it, both of us are, are really, really resilient and are able to just kind of knuckle down and say, look, let's divide this up. Let's make it work. You know, we're a team here. Let's not butt against each other. Let's, fight, let's figure out a way through this. 
and that's what we did. You know, we've we've always been a really good team, and you know that's that stood us in good stead both personally and professionally. Very good. And if you had to start the business again, go back in time, would you do anything differently than how it's unfolded? Yes. Now, I've known this for a while, and I've known it for longer than I've I've actively pursued it, but. Saying no to stuff is really important <laughs> because there have been times when we felt like we had to say yes to things for various reasons, either because in some way we felt responsible or maybe we were coerced into doing something. But, you know, other times there are, you know, obvious financial times. You think there's less money in the bank now that I'm comfortable with and I, and I really need to get some money in. So, you know what, I probably shouldn't say yes to this, but I'm going to say yes to anyway, yes to anyway for that reason. And it becomes a real pain in the backside. And having known that you shouldn't have got into doing what you're doing, you immediately realise that you were right, but now you're in it. And so, and you want to make the situation work. So you slog your guts out trying to make it work for very little, very little back. And behind the scenes, something materialises or an opportunity presents itself. Or maybe it doesn't. Maybe you should just have said no. But, you know, that, it, that is now in the way and it's blocking you from doing the thing that you really should be doing or want to be doing. And you're miserable and the team's miserable. So, yeah, I mean, don't be afraid to say no. It's really empowering. It could be make or break for you as a business, you as a person, someone else on your team. Plus, you know, I'd like to think that if you say no to people, they might ask themselves why and actually learn something from it and maybe do things differently next time around or, or change. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's just me being a little bit daydreamy, but, you know. <laughs> I, I think it's a really important principle that you've highlighted there. And I really appreciate your honesty in that because some people would try to present something that's inauthentic and as it were bigger than is really going on. And I'm not diminishing at all what you've said. I think that sounds like it's suiting you both personally. So what I hear is very much, this is driven by some personal goals, which I think is really, really important. So yeah, fascinating to hear your story. Final question from me, who's the best coach you've ever had? Who's been the biggest influence in your business life that helps you to make good decisions? I don't want to sound sycophantic when I say this, but I suppose Jilly, really, because of the way that we work together. You know, I hope she'd say the same about me, but, you know, we, we can have difficult conversations about things and we don't always agree. And sometimes you don't agree at home and that carries into work and sometimes you don't agree at work and that carries into home, but you ultimately you're a team and you can deal with that. So there are lots of people that I really value the time of. And so I'm coaching each other along and just saying, don't worry, <laughs> it'll be all right. Um, yeah. I think, I think Jilly, because of the sheer amount of contact and the, and the sheer amount of influence that I've, I've, I've derived from her. Great. Uh, but there are, there's, a, there's a supporting cast of many, many people I could, I could name or not name, but yeah. Very good. Well, it's been a great conversation, uh, Ross. Thank you for your time. And if anybody isn't aware of Bravan and wants to get in touch, how can they do that? So they can drop me a line ross r-o-s-s at bravand which is b-r-a-v-a-n-d.com um we've got a website as you might expect uh we're on linkedin we're quite active on linkedin so look out for jilly cross at bravand ross musgrove at bravand or bravand <laughs> <laughs> but those, those are the tends to, tends to be the places where we hang around and we're most responsive so yeah if anyone wants to get in touch and have a chat about anything yeah i'm all ears brilliant well, Ross, thank you again for your time. Uh, wish you all the best in the future and for that vision that you've painted and for the family that you have, which sounds wonderful. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you.